and welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country talk about movies that they love from their childhood, and they talk with friends about their favorite movies. So we have a very special guest here today who I'm going to let Eleanor introduce. Okay, so today we have Nate Fuhrer, who I don't know particularly how you would want to describe your job because you've done so many in the short time that I've known you, but one way that Annie, I think, would understand is he worked on the BuzzFeed video of Emma Watson playing with kittens or something like that. I can't say that I know that one. Sorry, Nate. Oh, I I assumed you would because I thought you liked animals and Emma Watson. I hate cats. Oh, wow. Like, I hate cats. Like, it's a... Okay, anyway. We don't have to get into that. So, Nate, describe for us what you do. So, I am a visual storyteller, and I go out, and I'm trying to tell stories, even if they're (laughs) funny, dumb, serious. It's my job to go out, film them, and then edit them into a digestible content. I like that. Okay. Really beautiful description that you should make sure you have written down to use. I mean, you've clearly been applying to jobs today because you have that on lock. <laughs> but you know specifically how to describe what it is that you do. Yeah. And, and I just want to make a side note here. I will tell you, trying to corral kittens as part of that video <laughs> was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. Okay. Also, Nate, I'm going to bring it up. Another notch, another connection to my life, because really everything's about me, right? Literally today, I work with 10-year-olds, and literally today I had to get them out the door to go on this, like, mini field trip, and the thought went through my head is, like, this is harder than hurting a group of cats. So, (laughs) we have very similar experiences in our day-to-day jobs, you know? Just the same. Okay, um, so... Today we're going to be talking about Cool Runnings, which is a great movie, but before we jump into that, we do um, our first segment, which is our favorite pop culture thing recently, of the week, all of that good stuff. So, who wants to start? All right, I have one that, it was, I saw the movie Slight. Slight? Yeah, I think that's how I pronounce it. Honestly, it shouldn't be that challenging for me, it's not that hard of a word. But I've messed it up like four times already. But it's a really bad movie about a... It's hysterical watching me beat this, too. Um, Sorry. A movie about a magician, and then it becomes... He gets involved with, like, a drug lord. And it's a really bad movie. I don't recommend it. But both of you will appreciate this, because I know you are West Wing people. Love the it. kingpin is Dulé Hill. So it's like Charlie from the West Wing. He's like, he's like wearing like chains and he has like guns and he forces an 18 year old to like stab off a man's hand. And the whole time I'm like, Charlie, what are you doing? Um, so that was my, it was like such a strange pop culture moment and that was mine. Oh no, Charlie. Charlie! It, it was, yeah, and he's just like cussing all the time and then like guns are flying and it's crazy. Mm. It's not a good movie. Mm. Sorry to hear that. Charlie was such a nice man until the apocalypse occurred. That's true. Right? Okay. Um, pop culture for me. I saw Guardians this week. The Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And I will say, 
I have a sense of humor, and this is the thing. I have a sense of humor that likes to go past where it normally should go past. And there's a scene, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but there's a scene in the movie where it just goes so far past where it should in a Disney Marvel movie. Mm. In terms that of grossness, or what? I'm, I'm talking, which is, I'll just say it involves a severed toe. Gross. Nobody wants that. No, n- Nobody wants that unless you're going to Wendy's and you're trying to make money. That reference is it something? Don't get that reference. I don't get it. A while back, a woman found a severed finger in her chili. Disgusting. I hate Uh, every part of that. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So mine. Hmm. Trying to think what I did. Oh. So on Saturday, this was like pop culture related. So I went out because it was like derby day and it was so fun and I was with my friends in like this ridiculous bar and um, I really like to be in charge of music, particularly when I feel I have really good, a really good taste in music and really good songs to play. Right now I'm obsessed with I'm the One by DJ Khaled featuring everyone and Despacito and Desperado by Rihanna. So I obviously decided in the best state I was in to like take over the DJ booth, which was actually like behind a door. But I went in there and there was no DJ in there. So I just like took over this bar in Chicago for a little bit. And it was awesome. Um, And I'd have to say that I'm the best DJ I've ever heard. So there we go. I'm my own favorite pop culture moment. (laughs) Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I don't All have right. problems with self confidence. None. One day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, also, what is it that you're eating? Because I feel like you're eating it in a way that you're not supposed to be. I made like my own little trail mix. So it's like coconut shreds and sunflower seeds and walnuts. That's, that's bad trail mix. Trail mix is supposed to be one part peanut, 99% peanut m and yeah, <laughs> it's all about the M&M's. Okay, I, mm, that's not my jam. But anyway, but anyway, M&M's are neither here nor there. Tell us about Cool Runnings, Nate. Give us a synopsis. <laughs> Why did you choose it as emblematic of your childhood? So, I will say that my childhood can be broken down into sleepover movies. Mm, and... I will tell you that the two movies that were watched at almost every sleepover were Cool Runnings and Spaceballs. Mm. And Cool Runnings, I don't know how it became the movie for the sleepovers, but I think it was the combination of Underdog Story and just that's in the film. And I was asked today, because I watched it recently for this podcast, does it hold up? And I had to look at him and go, it completely holds up. It holds up so well, except for when you go and you see a TV that's a square. It's a great movie overall. So, Well, and especially now that like 90s apparel is coming back in a very real way, I it, even in that sense, it like holds up. We recently podcasted about Junior, and I remember watching that, and I was like, all the hip kids I see all the time are wearing stuff like that. So it really does hold up. <sighs> I can, I, can, I can even reinforce that statement because guess what? When I was at BuzzFeed, they were just starting to do huge 90 pieces because that's what was coming back into fashion. And for some reason, I still don't understand these flashy, absurd colors. Lime green should never be a professional outfit. 
Look at what I'm wearing right now. And it's not my profession, but it's my brother's Camp Cohut t-shirt. Shout out to Teddy. What up? I, I don't know what... <laughs> I don't know how that color came back in as something professional, but Nike started doing it. That said, I understand it for running shoes. It's supposed to make you look go like you're going faster, and it looks great on camera. But as a full-piece suit, it makes no sense. As a full-piece suit? Right, here's the thing, and this is where I think professionalism for men and women is different. I feel like neon in the office would be totally acceptable. Because honestly, like everyone in my office wears black all of the time, and then I'll show up wearing like hot pink, and they're like, wow, <laughs> it's morning. And I was like, yeah, because I like wearing color. So, I don't know. I was So sometimes I like to wear all black. I like call it my Kim K day, and I'm just like, you know what? Today's not my day. I'm gonna wear monochromatic black. Um, but usually I like to add color. I mean, I teach in elementary school, right? Gotta have some color. But anyway, um, can you tell it's the end of the school year? I'm like so over it. Anyway, <laughs> love, love it, love, love. <laughs> um, so cool runnings. I did, bringing this back to Cool Runnings, but also connecting to me, because obviously, no, just kidding, this is the weirdest podcast, I'm in such a strange mood, but um, I did play Cool Runnings earlier this year in my classroom, because we were trying to teach the kids to be more resilient in their writing, and like having to go and try things again, and getting it wrong, so I actually showed the scene because, like, I don't know, they're all just, like, they're 10. Like, getting things wrong upsets them. So I showed them the scene where um, they look really childish, and they're in that um, that one bobsled in Jamaica running down, like, mud. Like, it's, it's just a hill. There's no ice. And I was like, look at how dumb they looked. And then they went to winning an Olympic gold. <laughs> they didn't win. They didn't win. Okay, so they went to the Olympics. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Okay, I think you should also know that, like, the Huntington family is, like, obsessed with the Olympics in a way that's, like, possibly unhealthy. Like, we are obsessed. That's essentially all we do. I love Bob Costas. Like, my love for Bob Costas is so real, it hurts. And I'm really sad he won't be the lead anchor anymore. Yeah, he's aged well. You look at him from, like, the early 80s until, like, 2016, and there's, like, barely any change. Yeah. Like, how is that possible? He was just at the but... Kentucky Derby. Sorry. He was. Bob he was Syracuse alum. Really? I didn't know that. Although he technically didn't graduate, and he left early to go be the uh, announcer for the Spirits of St. Louis when the ACA was existed. Mm. Well, Did he eventually get an honorary degree? It seems yeah. like the type of... He got an honorary, honorary degree the same year I graduated. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, man. Cool Runnings is the best. I remember... Okay, so when I was a child, I, like, never cried in movies. Alternatively, now, I'll, like, cry, like, at a commercial. But this movie made me openly weep as a child. Like... It was only sports movies. I would cry during, like, Angels in the Outfield, Cool Runnings. Space Jam. Possibly Space Jam. Like, that's another... The Huntington's would, like, lose their shit during Space Jam. Mighty Ducks. Yeah, Mighty Ducks. Um, but Cool Runnings is so... It's so different. 
I often, it's weird, I feel like I think lines from this movie in my day-to-day life mm-hmm. more than I should. All the time. Well, the movie's incredibly relatable, and if you look at it just going back, there's scenes that stand out to everybody where we've all done some form of it in our lives. If it's, like, one of the scenes that stands out most to me is where they're in the bathroom at the, uh, the was it the cowboy bar, and they're, they're, he gives the pep dog. It's one of the guy. It's Yule Brenner is yes. giving the pep dog to Junior. It's and, the best. And it's such an absurd scene because it's basically a pep talk that everybody has given themselves at least once in their life, either trying to go for a job or before something big or trying to give a speech. It's that little voice, but it's you have two characters, and it's one character is being the little voice in the head for the other character. It's such a beautiful scene. Thank you for bringing that up because I was actually going to bring that one up. Um... Because I would agree, it is that little voice inside you, but it's it was also so great to see it come from a character who, um, like, and it happened between two characters who, up until that point, had oh, kind yeah. of been, like, opposite, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it was so beautiful that, and I think that's something that, I mean, I don't think I learned it from this movie, I think I learned it, like, throughout life, but, like, just how much, like, we all affect each other, you know? And, like, because I, I don't even think that Yul Brenner's character, I mean, I know that he is doing it to get this guy to be more confident to do what he needs to do. But I don't think he knew that he was going to have quite the effect he had on his life just saying oh. that. Well, just the thing is, it, what's it? This, I think it's, and we'll see if how my retention of this movie is. I think it's, well, what do you see? He goes, I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who's not willing to take any crap from nobody. Right. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> and he has to repeat that line. And then he storms out, and the guy, you'll sit standing there going, wait, where the hell are you going? Right. It is beautiful. Like, I mean, there's so much in this movie in terms of representation, but also then the diversity you see within the team, because you have people doing it for such different reasons, and particularly the difference between Junior. I think the character of Junior is really interesting in this. And I also think it's important if we talk about, like, representation of Jamaica overall. Because that was one thing I did want to bring up. Like, do we think this is a positive representation and important for Jamaica, or is it problematic? But I like that. I do like the fact that they have a very wealthy Jamaican. Right. Agreed. Represented. I think that's also important to show that, like, not everyone, like, there's always this idea that, like, other countries have any kind of power, agency, or money. Right. So, because this movie was inspired by the Jamaican bobsled team it was it was interesting I, I was reading a while back that they had to the the guys who were part of the real team and they said um if there's anything bad about it please let us know we don't want to do any harm to the culture that is Jamaican and the thing was they actually were told by the bobsledders who they were depicting it off of that they sure that it wasn't going to be harmful that everything was depicted in a realistic way that it wasn't kind of it wasn't racist it wasn't going back and slamming the culture it wasn't kind of doing what of the jamaican culture and apparently after viewing the movie one was it the driver i from forgetting his name actually gave a thumbs up to the director saying this was really well done oh that's so sweet i love that I mean, I also... Sorry, go ahead. 
it's just like all the performances in this are so good. Like Psycho, like he's so good, and I also love him. But he essentially reprises his character in the movie Shark Tale, which is I would argue an undervalued animated feature film. Do you remember oh. it from two thousand five? Yes, I do. Oh yes. <laughs> so good and he's a, he voices like again like i think he plays a eel or something he plays like a jamaican eel. but it, he also reprises a line from this movie which they do have a lot in that like they also have renee zellweger say one of her lines from jerry Maguire. oh god i should rewatch shark tale um but all the performances and john candy like this was john candy's last film before yeah. he died right yes it was Oh, was it really? Uh, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, interesting thing, though, which is, so the people they were going to cast for them, the actual crew, they had, um, both, they had, like, Cuba Gooding Jr. they wanted to get, they had Denzel Washington, they had all these people, but none of them wanted to take it because the pay wasn't good. So you had these unknown actors kind of taking the role of the bobsledders, which made John Candy stand out more. So he became the father figure for these actors kind of in the piece and in the film. It's the way you see it. Oh. And it's kind of interesting because it makes it so you have this strong lead who then the bobsledders get to develop their own characters more because we don't know them. We don't expect the characters we're going to get. Like, I don't think this, piece, this film works if you have multiple big names in the roles. I think it works because you do have unknowns. When it came out, at least. No, I would agree with that because, I mean, I'm thinking about it now. If I had seen Denzel in this movie or Cuba Gooding Jr., like, it would have felt very different. I think it would have felt much more like corporate Hollywood than than what we got, which it did kind of feel, and I know this is weird because it was made by a major Hollywood studio, but it felt kind of like grassroots. It felt like this was a story that the Jamaicans wanted to tell. And again, I know it's Disney, but that's what it felt like because... There were unknowns. Yeah, and John Candy being a part of it made it better because he actually sought out the film. Like, he wa- he didn't have to be recruited for it. He wanted to be part of it. Like, the minute he heard about it, he wanted to be a part of the film. Right, was the fact that he, I think he took, he actually might have taken a slight pay cut to be part of this film. And he kept telling everybody, what they have here, it's going to be a hit. Oh, I yeah. love that. I love to hear that he believed in it as much as he did. Um, because, I mean, here's the thing. I think that you could talk to anybody between the ages. I mean, even my students have heard of it, probably seen it at this point. But I feel like this movie is so nostalgic for anybody born between, what, probably 1985 and 1995. Like, this movie is kind of emblematic of that 10-year childhood um, where we all know quotes like, um, what is it? Um, are you dead, Sanka? Yeah, Sanka, man. Dead man. Yeah, man. Exactly. Like, I feel like we can all say these things and we would know exactly where it's coming from. Um, the, and, well, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, it's interesting that you bring up Sanka because I didn't realize until watching it as an adult, but he actually grows up in the film. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he that. He looks like a of the community. And each of them grow team and recognize the creator as a whole. And I think that's also something taking it from this idea of such a singular sport trap to um, team sport. And also, particularly psycho, like, he goes, like, the regular trap. 
lead. And he's like, I'm good. I don't the driver. You're kind of, you're cutting it and out for me, Eleanor. Yeah, a little bit too. You're. <laughs> I know. That's what Eleanor just told me. <laughs> That's okay. We're doing just great. We're doing just fine. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, I mean, Saga does grow up. I also think it's funny watching this movie as an adult because I didn't realize how kind of crazy, what is it, the German bobsled team really is. Like, those guys are mean. Like, it wasn't, like, slightly, oh, like, we're going to, like, joke with these Jamaicans. No, they're mean. They're cruel. And it's kind of like, whoa, this is not normal. This is not what I see, you know, in my adult but, life. But what, what's I'm, ha I'm really happy you brought that up because what's interesting about it is because this is an inspired uh, like this, this was inspired by them. That's not even accurate to what happened. They actually showed up, and the entire community came around them and supported them, and all the teams loved them. And they were that's why they were so big at the Olympics. And it's also the story of them getting their sled, which is like that rickety sled. That's not true at all. They actually were offered a secondhand practice sled from uh, from multiple teams who wanted to see them succeed. Because that's the kind of community it is. Oh, So the poor bobsled but team. Had, but they had to build the tension somehow, and that that really built the tension. It's true. How did... Okay, so I feel like you might know the actual history of this more. How did the actual Jamaican bobsled team... How did it end? Like, did they... Oh, they crashed. Did they carry crashed. their sled out? No, they didn't carry their sled out, but they did crash. And the crash footage is actually in the film. Is it? So where they're crashing, everything until you like you see the super close-up stuff, any footage that you see that's on the TV of them going, or any footage you see of them like just in the beginning of the crash, that's the real crash. I chose to use that footage was because it was easier to use that footage than to try to fake it. Yeah. So all the tight shot though, they, they did fake, they did reshoot tight shots because you needed for the movie. But right. Gosh. Whoa, that is really good to know. I literally had no idea. And it's kind of sad to me that they didn't walk out, but I understand. Oh my gosh, oh my. Yeah, no, well, okay, so. <laughs> Eleanor, she's, com she's coming back, she's coming back. We're gonna keep talking. So, okay, what I also kind of appreciate about this movie, and I mean, okay. I feel like a lot of the the 90s movies at this time, I don't know, there was always some element of like romance. I kind of appreciate that this movie doesn't have that. Like you have his wife whom he loves, but there's no like main female character, which I kind of feel bad saying, but you know what I'm talking about? There's no like, oh my gosh, will they, won't they? Like it was just about the athletics. Another thing in the, that you're going to find this funny, apparently there's actually supposed to be a, a sex scene between Sanka and a ski bunny. No. Yes. And, because I agree with you that by cutting it, because they cut it out, it makes it stronger because you don't have to deal with a romance or anything, and it makes the focus these five guys right. and how they shape and how, how they become different. 
Totally. Wait, okay, I kind of think that's hilarious, though. It wasn't going to be, like, a relationship. It was just going to be, like, a one-night stand. Remember how he's in the bar and he's dancing and he has that one woman to his left that he's flirting with while yes. he's dancing? Yes. That would have been the lead-in for that scene. Oh, God. Well, that makes me really happy that they cut that. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, was it the other... All I know is that the one part of this movie that I will say is one of the best montages I've ever seen for any movie is the thing where it's the uh, the songs, I think it's called like Rise Above It, and it's the training montage where they're in Calgary, and it's them trying to become better. Sports movies try to one-up this, and they did such a good job of making it funny and serious all at the same time. Right. So, yeah. I, everyone loves a good training montage. Exactly. Well, this one is great because it is funny and it is kind of, like, slightly whimsical, but you still do care about them. You're like, you're like yes, do it. The bonding of the team more and more, and, like, the fact that they encapsulate that in one scene, which is just the snowball scene where they all pick on Irv, is great. It's true. Oh, this, we're talking cool runnings. Cool it's such a great movie. Okay, so we're hitting like our 25 minute mark. That's well, we've been doing this a while, so we gotta start wrapping up. Um, so Nate's like, I have all the thoughts, and also I'm really excited to listen to this conversation because because of technical issues, I feel like I missed half of it. Yeah, we had a very <laughs> okay. Let me tell you, Eleanor, I and Nate, I'm gonna tell you this too. I'm super impressed by you. You seem to have a lot of like random background knowledge about this movie that I didn't know existed. So I'm, like, really proud of you. Way to go. <laughs> uh, well, I will say that on a personal note for this movie, and, and this is the thing that's kind of strange, was uh, so in college I played football my freshman year. And at the end of that, I realized I didn't want to play football anymore, but I didn't want to leave sports entirely because it was kind of set in my routine. So – as part of a school trip at Syracuse, went to Lake Placid and bobsledded. And trip, I said, you know what? I think this is something I could do. And I went online and I found out about the tryouts and everything that you had to go through to do it. And for a year and a half, I trained to go and try out for the Olympic bobsled team. Schedule got way too crazy. What? College, Wait. so I never got the chance to actually try out. But by the end of this, I had gone bobsledding up at Lake Placid uh, four times. There also, and I will tell you, it is one of the most nerve-wracking experiences you will ever go through for the first time. Why did you pick up skeletoning? That's like the most dangerous no! sport in the world. No, luge's dangerous. Skeleton's safe. Isn't skeleton the one where your head goes first? Yes, but you can use your feet as plate. Can't. All, okay, all I remember, true story, is the Winter Olympics of 2010 yeah. when that one guy died, and it took NBC like two hours to realize they probably shouldn't broadcast his death like over and over yeah. and over. Exactly. And that's because the track was too fast. Yeah, that was... I remember being terrified. But uh, that, that's why this film kind of holds a special place is because after watching it as an adult, after going through all the training, it's like, I relate to them. It's like... You're not just pushing a sled down ice. <laughs> no. 
that's like absolutely terrifying, but also hilarious. And I'm so happy you shared that. So. Okay. So we have, we end our um, discussions of these films by asking ourselves, would we show this to children today? Like, does it hold up? Is it still entertaining? Yeah. Is it, is there value? A hundred percent. Yes. It, it's inspiring. It's entertaining. It tells you how to work with difficult situations. Everything you want a kid to watch and understand. And it doesn't try to uh, preach. It just lets it unfold. Agreed. Eleanor? It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's absolutely still so funny. And I think there's so many really great performances in it. And particularly because Andy is so perfect in almost everything. But I, w- I am going to say... I. I am really interested so I have a good friend who's Jamaican American here and I work with her and I was so frustrated frustrated with myself because today we truly had lunch together and then I forgot to ask her her feelings because I do if this is if if this is viewed at like as a problem or if it's viewed positively so that is something I'm interested in but I think based on our discussion like there's nothing in that in this film that makes be like a negative place no i don't think so and so i think i would agree i would say that i would show this to kids today um and and okay so this is might just be colored by like the group of kids i have this year but a lot of um the kids like like movies that are slightly older you know they're like oh my gosh this movie swears yes so i kind of like this movie because it strikes a nice balance. Like, it's pretty innocent, but it does have, like, a couple things where it's like, uh, you know, we're kind of getting to that getting to that line of, um, of, like, inappropriate, which they kind of love. So I feel like it's a movie that, that at least the 10-year-olds that I work with would be very interested in. And it does teach them really good good like life skills like I mean the whole the whole point the whole theme of the movie right is like that greatness can come from unexpected places and like even if you don't win like the pursuit itself is worthwhile which I feel like as a teacher that's all I'm trying to do the definition of greatness it changes the definition of greatness because greatness is being able to like pick yourself up pick yourself up and this idea of like self-respect and the concept that victory isn't necessarily winning but it is how you play the game for lack of a better phrase well the, the best way to give it or i think it's the best thing to take away is just from the what's one of the last scenes of the film it's uh was it i'm f- forgetting the character's name but it's the driver sitting in his bedroom and the coach comes in which says we're going for food do you want us to get anything he says no he says you can do it okay he goes, actually, I got a question, and he asks him about the sled to win the gold medal. And it's not whether you have the gold medal. It's the person you, was it? If you win a gold medal, then what are you going to be without it? Mm. And it's basically saying you have to be able to handle it before you even get it. Right. And That's a valuable lesson for anything, which is it's you have to carry yourself, you have to stand up tall, you can't be 
people tell you what's going on, but you have to be who you are, and that's all dependent on you. And if you think a gold medal or some job or something is going to change that about you, that's huge. Right. Right. Like, it's not about the accolades you're going to get. You kind of have to yeah. be that before you get the accolades. So it's, like, going to make exactly. you the man or the woman that you are. Yeah, yeah. That is that is so beautiful. Ugh, this is a great film. So good. Yeah. Plus, you have to remember to always kiss the lucky egg. And always kiss the lucky egg. That's the best thing. Okay, so... I don't know where Eleanor went, but our last question of our podcast. Oh, here she is again. Hello. Our last question of our podcast is, um, where in the world would you like to be right now if you could go anywhere with no restrictions? Oh, that's a tough question. It is. You can't just give me, like, say a million dollars and just say travel, no restrictions. No. Right now, this yeah. second. Obviously, based on this discussion, I would definitely go to Jamaica in part because I would only wear neon clothes. It would give me such a good excuse. <laughs> uh, More so than anything else. Um, I'm gonna go ahead. I said I, I, it's gonna it's gonna be out there, but I'm gonna have to go with like Greenland. Huh. Iceland. Wow, that's like the anti-hipster location. Remember, Iceland is green, Greenland is ice. Uh-huh. Um, just, I'm, lately I've been feeling a tiny bit claustrophobic with city life and living in urban areas, and where there's nothing really for stretches. Kind of sounds nice. Okay. Yeah. But stories out there, don't you think? No, I don't think so. Sorry. Remember, there's stories everywhere. It's the hard part's trying to figure out how to tell the stories. Ugh, deep. You just keep cutting it really deep, Nate. You're cutting me real deep. Um, okay, if I could go anywhere right now, and it's probably just because we've been talking about it so much. I would choose Hawaii. My little brother's there right now. And I got, like, upset today because it's really still cold in Chicago. It was only, like, 50 degrees today. And it is May 8th, people. May 8th. So, um, yeah. And I just thought about our little brother Teddy in Hawaii. And I got really upset. So I think if I could choose anywhere, Hawaii, in the sun, on a beach, reading. Also, my little brother Teddy's are so funny. Oh, I deleted I deleted Snapchat I, during the week. Should I re-download it? You should obviously re-download it, Annie, because they're doing hashtag Ted is still so lonely. Oh, Nate, just for a little bit of context, our little brother is on a romantic getaway with his best former lover. It's just. To the, on a couples retreat, and <laughs> on a quote unquote. Like, okay, Eleanor, pause, pause. I'm gonna cut off our podcast because you're not coming through very clear, so it's gonna be kind of frustrating for listeners. So, listeners, goodbye. Eleanor, Nate, and I will continue this conversation, but we'll let you go. Bye. Bye.